Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, come on, LifePoint Church. How you guys doing? That's what I'm talking about. Second service. It's so good to see you guys. For those of you who are watching with us online, we are so excited to have you here with us today. My name is Andrew Garcia, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church, and we just love it when people come out to support what's happening here at LifePoint Church. Uh, today is actually, or this weekend, was Pastor Danny and Rachel Rivers' uh, anniversary of 23 years. Can we give it up for them? We love you guys. Thank you so much for all you do. LifePoint, we call this place home because they have a vision for people to feel like there's a place where they can connect and flourish and grow in relationships, and we would not be who we are without you guys, so thank you so much. Uh, There's one thing we really need you guys to know. Big Wednesday is coming up. That That was weak. Come on, somebody. Big Wednesday. If you're not excited, I'll get fired up for you. Big Wednesday is bigger and better than First Wednesday. Do you want to know why? Because look at that. It's a Big Wednesday. So come out to Big Wednesday. It's going to be happening this coming Wednesday. We'll be here from 7 to 8. It's going to be a blast. Worship, worship, worship. It's going to have so much worship. You're going to be like, yes, wear your stretchy pants so you can jump. And because we've got a shock... uh, taco food truck named Chewy Shack afterwards that you don't want to miss out. And then Pastor Jenny is bringing a word on healing. So if you, or if you know somebody who needs healing, we still believe in a God who does miracles. And so come out. We would love for you to pray over you, to worship with you, to connect together in community. Um, don't miss out. Now, we're in a series right now called Better Than Normal. And to be honest, this series really has so much potential for our lives. Because we've been looking at normal in several areas of our lives, and honestly, it's really depressing when we realize that we have settled in our lives for less than we could have. It's depressing. And when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our finances, our relationships, and as we're going to look at today, our work, there is more for you to have. There is better to experience. And what's so sad is that sometimes preaching can come across as like bait and switch, like the church is trying to get something from you. But this series is all about bringing life to you, looking at the words of Jesus and how they can impact you and change the trajectory and transform your life completely. And what we have to understand is that even when sometimes when Christians get it wrong, Jesus got it right. He came for all of humanity, and we don't always get it right as Christians. Followers of Jesus can mess things up, but the good news is that Jesus came to give us all grace. And so we should never hang up our faith because of someone else's wrongdoing to us. So, and this is important, right? Because Christianity, when it comes to Christianity, there's one elephant in the room that we have to consider. And his name is is Jesus. And he's the one thing that we have to address. And Jesus isn't like some small hurdle that you jump over. Jesus is somebody that you have to build a relationship with. And let's be honest, if you have kids or if you're married, relationships are hard, man. They take work. And Jesus makes some claims that suggest that he was either a madman or that he had insight to a greater reality than any of us could see. You see, Jesus went on the, the record saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
which sounds crazy. But then he continues to say, in this world, you will have trouble, which is like, that's totally true. But then it goes back to crazy, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. But Jesus, when it comes to Jesus, we should take his words seriously because thousands of years we're still looking at the words that he said and the legacy that he left, which means that something transformational about him has impacted the world in a way that it was never the same again. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus never asked us to ignore our reality, but he also said don't lose sight of eternity. And that's weird, right? Because we all kind of have this, this tension, this struggle where it feels like there's just there's like something else like beyond, just a little bit beyond, but we can't seem to always grasp it. And Jesus always speaks into that existence, that reality. Jesus taught us to live in the here and now, but always spoke about the new kingdom coming, the kingdom that he was ushering in. And Jesus taught us, don't be so earthly-minded that you're no heavenly good, but don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. You have to live in the in-between. You, you can live a life that is better than normal. And so it's no accident that we chose this series when looking at the landscape of our lives because of this pandemic. We've all been impacted, and it's, our lives have changed drastically. COVID has only accelerated and exposed the holes that exist within the fabric of our world, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and it's in those holes that I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. See, he answered and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And then he puts this tag, love your neighbor as yourself. And what's so funny is you think that after all these thousands of years, after Jesus spoke these words, that the science, wisdom, and intellect of man would have found a way to solve our problems, but here we are thousands of years later still dealing with the same issues that have plagued humanity throughout history. There's a better life to have. And we should, we should be prudent to look past our pride and past our presuppositions and lean into the words of Jesus because Jesus understood that we can't compartmentalize our life. We have to approach our life holistically, and it requires us to go all in. And he recognized the problem that we face, that how can we be whole when we have so many holes? How can we be whole, live whole, when we have so many holes, so many issues that we're dealing with? And if humanity can't fix what's broken, is it possible that we aren't the designers of our life but were designed for life. And that, that would have big implications for our lives, wouldn't it? And so is it any wonder why Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You see, what he calls many, we call normal. The reality is that so many of us conform to the norm, and normal, it's, it's the typical, it's the average, it's how most people think, how most people act, how most people talk. And have you ever noticed how obsessed we are with normal? Standardized testing for, for kids, average metrics associated to like, you know, you go to the doctor and they're like measuring you and then they're getting your weight and checking your pr blood pressure and they're like, hey, 
end result, you're fat, you need to lose more weight. It's always you being overweight. And there's even this term called the cult of the average. And I want to read this to you guys. This is something, this consumes us. It says, where outstanding performance and different thinking is rejected in preference for neat similarity to others and conformance to social and company rules. There are norms. The little baby found it funny. There are norms that govern our society, our lives. And ironically, we're not as inclusive as we would like to claim we are. And so we have to stop and consider the question. If normal is so good, why isn't it working? If normal is so good, why isn't it working? Like, how often do you feel like, do you stop and say to yourself, it feels like I'm just surviving? We've all dealt with that. We've all felt that tension, that struggle within us. And the reality is that most of us are not average. At life point, we believe that everyone is a 10 in some area. God has created you uniquely and designed you for purpose to live out something bigger than most of us could ever dream or imagine. But we willingly, so many of us willingly accept the average because the average is easy. And this is such a big problem because if we're seeking greater potential, more creativity, more energy, a a better way to live, then then that's going to get missed if all we do is foster the status quo. And Jesus is saying, there's my way, and then quite literally, there's the highway. There's my way of living or the world's way of living, and how you choose to live your life will have consequence. And choosing Jesus... When it comes to our faith, will require us to change some things if we find ourselves on the broad road, the, the, the way of normal living. But when we choose a better than normal way, something incredible can begin to happen. And I hope today that you can just begin to see a greater reality, a, a brighter light for your life because there's more for you to live for. And we need that, especially when it comes to Americans and our relationship with work. And just so we can kind of, I just want to like level set, put us all on the same page. In case you didn't know, 80 to 85% of Americans hate their job. Don't raise, somebody said amen. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. 66% of American workers lack work-life balance. 70% of full-time U.S. employees experienced burnout within their current job. And 26% of Americans take their work home with them. The average American work week consists of about 47 hours per week. And as the saying goes, we work long, hard hours at jobs that we hate to buy things that we don't need to impress people that we don't even like. This is depressing. And for the cherry on top, I don't know if you realize this, but the U.S. has one of the worst global vacation scores. We make somewhere between, the average American family brings, or the average individual makes somewhere between 48 to 57,000. The average American sleeps about 6.8 hours per night when the recommended is seven. Is it any wonder while we're all jacked up? American culture has created a monster where companies are designed to get as much out of you as they can, to squeeze as much life and productivity out of you as they can get away with. 
And we're the ones that let them. We're the ones that don't set and enforce boundaries in our lives. And the truth is that a day is too short and a day after we retire is too long for us to fully and really live. So let's set the record straight. And let's just start with a very simple principle. Okay, God made work and work don't hurt. God made work and work don't hurt. And let's just tease this out because this starts in Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to look at 27 through 28. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now for Texans, this is like our, this is like our yeehaw moment. Like this is a big deal for us. Because if you're a man in the house and you're a Texas man, you're like, be fruitful and multiply. Baby, I got that. And every woman rolls her eyes. And the second part comes, fill the earth and subdue it. And sometimes we have issue with like this language in here because it's like, it's like, it's aggressive and it's like domineering and it's controlling, but we're like, we're Texas men. We've got guns and muscles. Like we got this. And so we love this, but, but let me just add some clarification because when we look at Genesis 2, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are recapitulation stories of the creation account, meaning that they are parallels of each other. And so Genesis 2 is just going to add a little more flavor for us to have some clarity to see what Genesis 1 was saying. Genesis 2, 5 through 7, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man. Implication being he formed the man to work the ground. And then verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. To work it and to keep it. And other translations would say to work it and take care of it. To nourish it. To cultivate it. And this is huge. Because God not only made man to work, but also to explore and expand the potential of the earth that he put him in. In pursuit to have human flourishing, be fruitful and multiply. And this is incredible because God literally said, created this world for us and then gave us permission to exploit our God-given creativity to make and foster the world around us, to give it more than what was there, to draw out potential that he had put within it. Work. Work is a gift from God where we partner with him in cultivating the world that he made for our enjoyment. Work in its proper place is a good thing. It's a good thing. But we've really, we've really done a number on ourselves. And this is because of principle number two, that sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. There's a gap between us and perfection, us and the original design that was made for us. And before you kind of roll your eyes, because there's that outdated word, sin, 
(laughs) Sin is a very rich word, and the problem is that our culture has watered words down. They don't maintain the kind of intensity and richness and flavor that they used to. See, instead of the word sin, we like to use words like, we made a mistake or an accident. Oh, I made a mistake, and don't take this this example offensively, but this is going to sell the point, right? You cheat on your spouse. Oh, my gosh, I I made a mistake. (laughs) No, you didn't make a mistake. A mistake you can erase and go back and correct. You sinned. Sin betrays a moral code and destroys trust. They're miles apart. Sin has caused a distortion in how we view and interact with our world. God made man in his image, but because of the fall, man attempts to to squeeze God into other images. Romans chapter 1. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they, they being us, are without excuse. In other words, what God has created, he can be found in. Let me give you an example. This is my dog. Yes. Oh. This is my favorite dog. My wife knows. We have three dogs. This is Finney. Look at his eyes. Do you see his soul? Dog, I believe that all dogs go to heaven. And this is a perfect example why. It's, it's like you can, it's just like, love me and I love you. That's what's being communicated to me when I look at this picture. And there's something about it when you look at it. The, when you look at him as a creation, the detail, the seemingly soul that exists within him, it's like something created that. It didn't just come out of nowhere. And what's so funny is science continually is turning its back on, on this idea that everything came for nothing to recognize the fact that some divine intelligence had to have been behind the world in which we live. And so the verse continues, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And let's try to make this practical. Like, like let, me, let me just rehash this again. Why and how has this happened? If I took a car engine out of a vehicle and I placed it in front of you, okay, and let's assume that you're not a mechanic, because some of you are like, I'm a mechanic, so I can fix this, okay? It's an engine you've never seen before with parts you've never seen before. And I pulled out a hammer and I started bashing it and ripping off hosing and pieces start flying, And then I stopped and I looked at you and I said, all right, now put it back together. How well do you think you would do? Like some of you aren't dumb, so you'd get some pieces right, right? You'd be able to figure some things out. You may even get pieces in spots where they would actually work in that spot, but they were never designed for that spot. But the question is, how comfortable would you then feel driving that vehicle you wouldn't feel very comfortable that it's going to get you to the destination that it was intended to get you because you know the engine is no longer whole. Its original design has been damaged. And you didn't design it, so you don't know how to fix it. So it's safe to assume at some point it's going to break down or blow up on me. 
It needs new pieces in order to be made whole and work as it was intended to work. Because of the fall, there are pieces of our humanity that have been damaged and distorted. Our hearts and our minds were damaged goods that need to be made whole again in order to work and function as we were intended to work and function. And we experience this, we see this in our lives because of our separation from God. We are clearly aware of the holes that we have. And what we have to understand is that work has value, but work does not determine our value. And American culture has gotten this so wrong because work has become the end in itself, that we have to be successful in the work that we choose. Because if we're not, then who we are means nothing. And we didn't mean to get here, but this narrative has been shoved down our faces since childhood. Like, how often do we, did you hear the phrase going up, or do you actually communicate this to other kids? You can be whoever you want to be. Remember hearing that? The problem is that it implies that being, that, me, that the meaning of being is in being what you do. And if work becomes your identity, then success goes to your head and failure sinks to your heart. And in both cases, you lose. (laughs) Because you either become so full of yourself or deny the fullest self that God has created you to be. And we cling to this narrative, be the best. And if we're not the best, then then we haven't made it yet. Or success will will make us happier because if we can be more successful and make more money, then then we're going to have more and be be happier with our life. But as Pastor Sandy already said last week, most of us, most of us are making more money than we've ever made. And we've never been less happy. We've never been more depressed. We've never had more anxiety. We've never been less healthy. America, one of the richest countries in the world, is also one of the most unhealthiest countries in the world. Sin pollutes our reality and dilutes our perspective. Like, think about it. Why did Jesus have to clarify or even add the tag and love your neighbor as yourself? Because in a post-truth culture where truth and morality is largely dependent on how I feel, And it's not about the human good, but how we use humans as goods. And when morality takes a back seat to our motivations, we better watch out. Because success is not about how we get to the outcome. Success becomes the outcome, which means at whatever cost, no matter what, doesn't matter what it takes, dog-eat-dog world. Well, that's crude, Andrew. But is it... Human trafficking, child labor, some of you are like, but that's a work ethic. Sometimes. Impoverished communities where corporations have bought people at a low wage to to make products to sell them to other people at a higher price. But we're exposing that in our culture. We're fixing those things. Okay, maybe. Maybe we're fixing some of it. But now let's consider the workplace where we're grinding to get our way to the top, where we're cutting corners, wheeling and dealing, all of which seek to take advantage of someone to give advantage to me. And even if that's not you and you're a little bit better than some other people, there's one thing that you can't escape. Because all of us have said or thought, I deserve blank more than blank. And that's where we get exposed. 
two principles. The Lord made, God made work and work don't hurt and sin separates us from God. If we don't understand or have an awareness of these two realities, then we miss the fact that we cannot discipline our way into being a better Christian. We don't have it within us, our power, the power within us to do better all the time. We need help. And because of Jesus, the Son of God, going to a cross to pay the price of our sin, to bring us back into right relationship with God, we can be made new, can walk in the original design that he intended us to walk in, in the newness that we were made, because we can walk in step with God's Holy Spirit to continually root out and, and expose the dark places of our heart and our mind that are always trying to do us dirty. This is why Paul writes in Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And the part that's so important, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal, the renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind by, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What blows my mind, this is written thousands of years ago, and science is now just uncovering what the Bible already has been teaching. That reality isn't what necessarily shapes us, but the lens through which your brain views the world is what shapes your reality. Let me say it again. Ne reality isn't necessarily what shapes us, but the lens through which your brain views the world is what shapes your reality. This is backed by hard data now. That how you perceive your world, choose to interpret your world, becomes the reality that you walk and live in. So is it any wonder why Jesus is always attempting to tell us, change the way that you think? Because changing your perspective can impact how you act in the world. And what Paul is telling us isn't new. Changing your mind was a central theme to Jesus' first sermon in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus challenged people to change their thinking because regardless of how many times you read the Bible until you apply it, until you allow it to change your mind, you simply impose your biases and labels on the words you read and in the world in which you live. Jesus was on to a greater reality that science is just now figuring out. There's, there's, there's a, a researcher, Sean Anker, who draw, drawing over a decade of living and researching and teaching at Harvard University was talking about the, the relationship and that, that's between happiness and work. And, I, and in his studies, this is what he came up with. He said, if I know everything about your external world, I can only predict 10% of your long-term happiness. 90% of your happiness is connected to the way your brain processes the world. Only 25% of job successes are predicted by IQ. 75% are predicted by your optimism levels, your social support, and your ability to see stress as a challenge instead of as a threat. This is, it's like, how is this even like spiritual? Jesus knew 
that the war on our lives begins with how we see and think and interpret and view and act within the world. He's trying to tell us, renew your perspective. When you have a new, greater understanding of who I am and how I play a part in your world, this world, it changes. I change everything. We have to embrace a new perspective to trust in God. And I know it's, it's such a simple thing. This is such a simple message, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest, the hardest things to do. So you're like, okay, what do I, what do, I do then, Andrew? Paul makes it simple for us. Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, with all your heart, as if working for the Lord. Whatever you do, wherever you find yourself, no matter the environment, the workplace, whatever you do, do it as if working for the Lord. Because when it comes to our work, work realizing that you're doing God's work. Any work that brings about human flourishing is God's work. From janitors to maids, to teachers to officers, to doctors or lawyers, each person playing their part is doing God's work to bring about human flourishing. We have to stop leaning into the world's definition of work. We have to stop striving, stop believing that, that our success or how much money we, we make is somehow giving or adding value to us. It doesn't. We know that. Work because work is good. Work to live, but don't live to work. Keeping work in its proper place. Keep work in its proper place by maintaining your a renewed mind. And can I be honest? We just ended 21 days, or this is the day that we are ending 21 days of prayer and fasting, and this is why we do prayer and fasting. To keep God at the center. To, put our, to build our lives, our world, to make sure that at the center of our mind, of our heart, that God is there. It's a discipline that we shouldn't just do at the beginning of the year. It's an ongoing discipline that we should have as Christians. And so often we get it wrong because normal is so easy to drift back to. We can start strong, but without consistency, without discipline, without realizing you can't will yourself, you're gonna have to ask God to help you to partner with you, to help the Holy Spirit help you make the right decisions each day. You're going to miss the better than normal, that life that, that Jesus came to give you, that he came to bring you. Pray fast. The issues of the soul need healing from a spiritual source, and Jesus is that fierce spiritual source. This is why we need community. This is why we need accountability. People who can remind you that when it gets tough to do the work that you're doing, that God has called you to that work. Before you just quit and leave your job. Because 80 to 85% of us are so unhappy with where we are. We need to ask God, how can I change my mind to see that I am bringing and breathing life where I find myself right now. God, what work are you trying to bring through me? What work might, 
might be missed out on if I choose to, to leave where I am now. Because God has you placed and positioned where you are for a unique reason to do a work that can only be done with your partnership with, you, with him right now. Jesus wants to invade every part of your life, but to start, you have to help embrace him in your heart and in your mind. God wants to work through you, but he can only showcase his power and his faithfulness if you take the next step, if you ask Holy Spirit, help lead me, help guide me, help move me in the right direction, help me to do the right thing when it's hard, strengthen me when it feels like I'm losing when it feels like my work is suffocating because he can revive the passion that's been snuffed out of so many of us. And I know sometimes it feels impossible, but the smallest investments in the right places can drastically change our life. The smallest investments in the right places can drastically change our life. Can I pray over us? Heavenly Father, we are just here before you, God, today. God, and each and every person, Lord, in this room has been called to do a work, to partner with you, God, to bring about human flourishing across, God, the world. And each of us is a significant piece to what it is that you're trying to do. Even no matter the jobs that we find ourselves in, God, there is dignity because when we work for you, when we are putting our heart for what it is that you want to do here on earth, we are, we are your hands and feet. We are being, bringing life. We are being salt and light to a world that needs to see and experience your glory. But that only happens when we partner with you. That only happens when we allow you to renew our mind, to give us fresh vision, fresh perspective. To realize why we are where we've been placed, why we've been called to the work that you have put us in. God, give us the strength to take that next step. To invite you into our lives, to make sure that we are putting you first in all things. And then something amazing can begin to happen. God, help us to trust you with it all. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.